37,000 runners competed in the 2012 London Marathon. The winner was Wilson Kipsang, a Kenyan, and he ran a very impressive time, 2 hours, 4 minutes, 44 seconds. Now, if you want to do the math, that's about 4 minutes and 44 seconds per mile, 26.2 miles. That's how they do it. Simone Clark finished the London Marathon in over 6 hours and 30 minutes. Her pace was 14 minutes and 53 seconds. But her race was just as impressive. Simone is a 39-year-old epileptic. Normally, Simone would uh, experience about four seizures every day. Uh, To run a marathon, Simone needed to have a friend that would come alongside her and train with her and help her in case she had a seizure. Tally Hall was that friend. It required that she help Simone if she had a seizure. On race day, they lined up together at the start, and everything went well for about seven miles. On mile eight, uh, Simone had her first seizure, and she went unconscious during the run, And Tally had to immediately catch her and let her fall to the ground. And then she was unconscious for about 30 seconds. And then her eyes opened. She got up and she continued to run. Um, That happened several times in the race. And uh, each time, Tally uh, had to help her to the ground and wait for her and protect her right in the middle of the race. Because you know, in a big 37,000 runners, it's a big race. There's a lot of traffic. If somebody falls, it's easy for a lot of people to stumble. By mile 15, Simone was in tears. She said afterwards, I was in tears because I was so annoyed that we had lost our pace. But by that stage, I had already had lots of seizures, and I was still standing, so I thought, stuff it, I'm going to (laughs) finish. Simone had 20 seizures by the time she crossed the finish line with Tally at her side. Together, they raised over 800 pounds, which is about $1,250 for the Epileptic Society. Not everybody understands why why runners run. And not everybody would understand why Simone Clark would run a marathon when she had epilepsy. No one could doubt her determination to finish. And she was able to do it because she had a friend support her every step of the way. The Bible likens the Christian life, and you know this, the Bible likens the Christian life to running a race. It takes a, it's a super ultra marathon. It takes a lifetime to finish. It requires preparation, training, and perseverance. And t- sometimes you may fall down. And that's why it's really important to have good friends there to support you when you fall. Tonight we're going to look at a few passages that remind us of uh, running this race and living day by day in the Christian life. And... Uh, the first uh, thing is that I want to talk about when it comes to the race is the need to prepare. And that's exactly what you did back in uh, January or fe- February. Some of you who uh, are running or walking, prepare well. 
Some of you who are running or walking, you had to make a decision. You had to make a decision. Are you going to do this or not? Because you had to put some money on the line. That usually is the big tip-off right there when you, when you write the check. I, I'm either doing this or I'm not, do, I'm not going to waste some money. If I sign up, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so then begins the focus. I've made a decision. My life is going to change now a little bit. And uh, the first passage I want to look at is 1 Corinthians 9. A is focus. A. There we go. And the first passage is 1 Corinthians 9, 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. The Apostle Paul uh, uses an athletic metaphor here for the Christian life. It's, it's a metaphor for uh, the Christian life for running. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And in the first century, uh, they had Corinthian games, much like we have Olympic games, track and field. And so these metaphors are very common for the first century about running a race and seeing all kinds of runners and all kinds of races. But he reminds them, um, when runners run, only one can get the prize. There's a competition. And there needs to be focus. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way that you're focused to do your best. To win. Now, the Apostle Paul is not talking about competition in the Christian life, but he's talking about focus, about to uh, live in a way uh, to have focus, to do your best. Um, Also, this is B on the outline, train. 1 Corinthians 9.25 talks about... training, 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. This is a continuation of the Apostle Paul's letter here. Everyone who competes in the games, Olympic games, the Corinthian games, uh, goes into strict training. Just like today, athletes go into very strict training. It depends. uh, They know they need rest. They know they need proper nutrition. Uh, They need need, uh, a certain uh, plan of exercise whether it's uh, rate, weight training or running or, or certain kinds of uh, exercises, cross-training, uh, they're very aware of this. They go into strict tra- training. They understand the purpose. They understand the purpose of practice and disciplined living. And uh, they work this plan day by day, week by week, and month by month. They train to win, to do their very best. And the prize for the Corinthian games, uh, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And in the first century, the, the big prize was a little wreath that went around their head, and it was made of leaves and flowers. It was really cool. But it didn't last long. I don't know if they dried it out and tried to save it. Still, it was, didn't last. And Paul says, we do it. Because there's an eternal reward, a crown that lasts forever. Another passage that the Apostle Paul uh, uses, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Notice, that, now are you aware how many running metaphors there are in the New Testament? First uh, Timothy 4. Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I don't know. Do you ever notice that physical training 
can affect your spiritual life? It always has for me. If I train physically, it automatically makes me more disciplined spiritually. If I'm concerned about what I'm doing, what I'm eating, whether I'm resting, whether I'm uh, practicing or doing calisthenics or weight training, whatever it is, it always makes me more focused in my own spiritual life. But Paul says, train yourself to be godly. What I want us to see there, he says, train yourself. This is something nobody else can do for you. And in the Christian life, there is a kind of training that each of us needs to take up. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Those of you who trained for the race back in February began to train. And there were shorter distances back then in the deep snow. And that was good. And it was cold. But as, but as time continued and the weather changed, it didn't change much. But you, you began to run longer distances and you were training and you were beginning to reap benefits of your, your training. Paul says, and nobody else could do that. Nobody could stand in and do it for you. You had to tie your shoelaces and go out and do it. You may have had people there for a long run or a partner to run with periodically, but you still had to do it. And when it comes to the Christian life, there is a need. And Paul says, train yourself where you practice disciplines that help you in your spiritual life. Um, You know, the the Bible doesn't say how you're supposed to have an intake of God's word. There's a lot of ways to have the intake of God's word. But how are you and I going to know God's word and have a worldview that has a biblical framework if we somehow don't take it in? Probably once a week, on Saturday or Sunday, won't be enough. And how do we develop that biblical worldview? Take in spiritual food that will nurture our soul. And, and there's a need for a discipline, bringing order to your life and saying, this is a priority, and I'm going to tie my spiritual shoelaces, and I'm going to do this. Or how can we live by faith if prayer isn't a part of our lives? There are other disciplines, um, the point is, is what helps you become more like Jesus? That's what the spiritual training is all about. That's the goal of spiritual training. There are things like fasting. Um, that's a discipline. Jesus didn't command you to fast. He just said, when you fast, do it this way. He just assumed that sometimes we would have reasons to fast. There are things like um, Solitude and silence. There's no command for solitude. There's no command for silence. But there is a model of Jesus getting away from time to time to be away from the crowd and away from his own disciples and just spend time with God. And there's a value for us to disconnect from noise once in a while and to be alone once in a while uh, with God. And all I'm saying is, I'm not saying go feel guilty. I'm saying there's a need for you and I to train ourselves. You know what you need. If you just take on one thing, one thing and say, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to practice. Scripture memory is one of those things. It's, it's like doing an exercise. You practice, you get stronger, you get better. And one of the values of Scripture memory, it relates to how do you deal with temptation? How do you deal with spiritual warfare? Jesus modeled 
quoting scripture. So train yourself to be godly. The purpose of developing Christ-like character, spiritual uh, training requires spiritual discipline. And um, so prepare prepare well. That's what we're talking about here. And secondly, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Our passage is uh, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So we jump now to the book of Hebrews. This isn't the Apostle Paul. Uh, It's just the writer of Hebrews. That's all I know about him. But uh, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So the writer says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. It's like a picture in a stadium, like an Olympic stadium. Uh, even today in Olympics, uh, marathons often end in a stadium where, there's a cl- where there's, they're full of thousands of people who are watching. And here the writer says a cloud of witnesses. Who are? Who, who are those people? Who are those witnesses? And for sure, they're the people of Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith that have gone before, those people who have already run the race that God has set before him. And uh, he, there are three things here. The first one is to throw off what hinders, to throw off what hinders you. Um, you know, in the first century, if you went to the, the games in Corinth, when the runners went out there to run, when they came to the line, they threw off everything, everything. There was nothing left to your imagination because they didn't want their clothing to hinder them. They didn't want anything to hinder them in the race. Um, when, you th- talk about, when you think about something that hinders, for example, if a runner had put on an extra 10 pounds, that 10 pounds could be a hindrance. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong to have an extra 10 pounds. It just says the idea is if you're running a race and you're trying to run efficiently and effectively, and if you're trying to win, maybe run more efficiently if you cut back on the 10 pounds. And so training itself will burn off the 10 pounds. But that's, an, that's the idea. There are some things that hinder that maybe aren't necessarily wrong, but they hinder us in the Christian life. And a question I would ask us is, what hinders you? What slows you down? What keeps you from being effective, the most effective? You know, maybe it's not something that's wrong or sinful. It just is slowing you up. Um, sometimes it could be our friends. Sometimes it could be what we watch on TV. It could be how we spend our time. It could be our career could be a hindrance. Um, what do you daydream about? What hinders you? Secondly, put off the sin that so easily entangles you. Now, this is a little more explicit. This refers to sin. Uh, if a runner is running in a race and somebody comes along and trips him or he gets entangled in something, he's going to fall down. And the picture here is running the Christian life and getting entangled in something it causes you to fall. And um, so, just a practical question here. What sin entangles you? What, what sin would cause you to fall? Could be uh, critical speech. That's related to our hearts. Critical person, critical speech. 
It's, it's good to be a critical thinker. You don't have to be a critical person. How about hurtful sarcasm? Does that entangle you sometimes? Um, pornography, that's a pretty easy one, especially for guys. That can entangle you. Abusing alcohol, sleeping with your boyfriend. Who knows? Nobody knows. It's a secret. So the writer of Hebrews says, throw off things that hinder, put off sin that entangles. Um, and, and, that, and so what he's saying is, throw it off. Be intentional. Focus here. Let's do this well. Let's do this right. And uh, so when it comes to putting off sin, uh, Scripture says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us of all unrighteousness. And then uh, the biblical concept of repentance means to change. Not only have I confessed it now to God and uh, I know God has forgiven me, now I need to get, change the course. If I, were, if I was entangled on sin, I need to get back on the course. It's, it's easy to drift to the right or the left of the course. Um, let, I'm going to just go back. Uh, you can just leave that on the board. But what I failed to mention here is we're getting to it. We're getting to it. So I'm trying to get ahead of myself. And that is to run with perseverance a race marked out for you. To run with perseverance. That's that Hebrews 12.1. Run with endurance. Perseverance. It's, it's not going to be a fast race. It's not going to be a short race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's an ultra marathon. It's going to be a long distance. It's going to be for the rest of your life. So you need a pace that you can handle. Run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. I really like this picture here. There's a race course marked out for you. You know, tomorrow when you go to, at the race, and you guys all know this, maybe if it's your first time, you're just going to experience it for the first time because how are you going to know when to turn, you know, what streets to turn on? Well, there, you're going to have some help. There's going to be arrows, and there's going to be signs, and there are going to be people standing out there in orange vest or yellow vest or something. And they're going to say, go this way, go this way. And that course is marked out for you. Now, you're going to waste a lot of time if you run a few extra blocks, you know, if you veer off and do your own thing. But the race is marked out for you. And the Christian life is marked out for you and for me. And uh, it's go this way. No, don't go that way. There are things that are clearly marked out. To love one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another. Those are marked out. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's clear. That's black and white. That's part of the course. But there are things that are off the course. Don't go there. Stay on the course. The course is marked out. Keep moving forward. The race is going to be long. So number three, press on toward God's goal. Press on toward God's goal. And the key passage there is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. We have flipped the air. We go. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. Paul is saying, Yeah, I'm not perfect yet. He says, I haven't arrived yet. I'm, God's not done with me yet. Not that I've al- already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and here's what I want you to see, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is head ahead, forgetting what is behind. This is important. Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying, forgetting what lies behind. In chapter 3 already, Paul has talked about his past. He's reminded uh, the Philippian believers that he was a pretty, pretty great man, extremely well-educated, had great credentials, achieved much, had a pedigree, educational degrees, highly uh, respected in his community. He was somebody, and he says, I'm putting that behind. Not only that, after Paul, or in Paul's former life, Paul did some kind of silly things, kind of dumb things, things that he really regrets. He persecuted Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death, and he was applauding. He oversaw Christians being arrested and thrown in jail and having their property taken away because he thought he was doing God a favor. And now he has those regrets. And he says, forget what lies behind. What are your regrets? When you look back, do you have regrets? Most of us have some. And uh, are there things... um, from your past that still haunt you? Is there anything in your past that the enemy still uses to mess with your mind? Sometimes to control your thinking, that you're you're no good, you're worthless, um, you're a failure. And Paul says, you need to deal with that, you need to put it behind you. And, you know, it's fair, we need to acknowledge it, if, we, if there's sin in our past and, and we, if we haven't dealt with that, it needs to be confessed. We need to receive forgiveness. We need to receive forgiveness from God. And, you know, one of the things that messes with us a lot is that we don't forgive ourselves. And sometimes you raise your standards higher than God's and you don't forgive yourself. And you need to do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're supposed to have a proper self-care for you. Um, Apostle Paul says, so put it behind us. And he says, press on to what lies ahead. Press on to what lies ahead. That's uh, verse 14. He says, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. To press on to the finish. Um, No matter what. You know, just like... uh, Simone Clark running in the London Marathon, pressing on, getting back up. Um, she was sidetracked. Most people would have given up, and she just continued on. Um, press on to the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. For the Christian, for you and for me, uh, it's going to be heaven. And um, Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to hand out awards on that day. And he's looking for growth, maturity, Christ-like character. And uh, one day there'll be a finisher's medal. 
and uh, Jesus will be there to put it on for you. Last, uh, number four, we're coming to the last section. Finish strong, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Finish strong. And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I fought the good fight. Kind of a picture of the Olympic Games again, like uh, boxing or wrestling. He said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So he switches now to running. He's coming to the end of his life. And uh, very soon he's going to be executed for Jesus. I have kept the faith. He's stayed on the course. He's kept moving forward. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. He'll get the finisher's medal. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That includes us. So all of us are in this race called life. And... Don't let it be a rat race. Pace yourself for the long haul and run with endurance and finish strong. As I think of uh, you who are running and walking tomorrow, um, and I'm also, I'm great, I, I said I was grateful for the runners and walkers. I'm grateful for all of you who have given to Team World Vision. And um, I think of the impact, you know, raising $33,000 that's not bad for a little group. And um, I just want to encourage you with the impact you're making. James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That, that last part, being polluted by the world, is what we've just talked about in the race, the Christian life, and about running to win, and about honoring Christ. But here's the Father's heart, to look after orphans and widows. And uh, you guys are running tomorrow with a purpose, and it's to make a difference. And that honors God. That's part of the Father's heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Scripture says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. That's those who have placed their faith in Christ and are born again, created in Christ Jesus, the body of Christ. For what? What purpose? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And God prepared a good work for you to run tomorrow or to walk or to uh, have given to this opportunity. It is a good work in God's eyes. And... Um, it's not doing good works to earn salvation, but it's good, doing good works to show your salvation and um, in, enabling people to drink clean water is a good work. Last passage is Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And... Doing good works, doing things um, that help people and serve people, honor God and shine um, brightly. When you race for Jesus, you will shine. When you serve Jesus, you will bring light. And these are good deeds that glorify God. And God will use these things. God does use these things to bring attention to his son. 
God uses good works to help non-believers find Christ in the midst of a dark world. So prepare well, run with endurance, press on uh, when you're tired, and I hope you'll finish strong tomorrow. God bless you. Let's stand, and I want to pray. Father in heaven, I just, I'm grateful for our team that has prepared for the race tomorrow and for all those who are going to serve tomorrow and for the impact that they're going to have on lives with clean water. Father, we are reminded as well about the race we're in every day. May we not lose focus. May we have our lives spiritually prepared a day at a time, that our hearts will be ready. May we establish um, practices that help us to stay on the course and to grow as followers of Christ. I pray, God, that you would give us the endurance for the long run, that we would honor you and that we would Run well and finish strong. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.